This is CliffCentral.com. Richard, are we on track with the financial pack for my presentation to the board next week? Well, hopefully. The team's very short-staffed, and it's taking such a long time to find a suitable financial manager for the division. We're way behind on all our forecasts and reporting. Why don't you speak to the finance team? They're a consultancy that can help you with an experienced interim financial manager. You can have somebody to help you almost immediately. They'll hit the ground running with no long-term contracts and no upfront placement fees. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to the practical business section of our business masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the finance team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Safia Boulay of New Habits, Making Shift Happen. Hi, Richard. Also, Leandi Streeter, business coach and guide from RaceCorp. Thank you, Richard. And staying on with us from the previous segment, Greg Sarandos and Wendy Mahoney. Thank you, guys, for joining us. Good to be here. Great. We are now joined by Ziander Maziza, if I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> a public speaker, business coach, uh, business consultant, change agent, behavioralist coach, social scientist, and social entrepreneur. Welcome, Z. Hi. Thank you. Yeah. Wendy, I think Z's trying to uh, rival you with the list of things that she's involved with, if I remember your list from the previous segment. So Z, Another overachiever. Yeah. So Z, uh, uh, as a business consultant, business consultant and coach has a focus on assisting business in being smarter about the people side of their business. So Z has the saying that I found that I thought was very interesting. She said, you're about provoking thinking, disrupting the status quo, and evoking action. <laughs> Those were some yes, words that I, absolutely. that I saw. So Z often talks on the topic of helping people get unstuck. Um, and there's a quote that I saw or saw that said, we're often told to think outside the box. As far as I'm concerned, there is no box, according to, <laughs> to Z. <laughs> so for business leaders, the challenge is to sustainably improve performance in their companies, grow the business, be more competitive and be more innovative. Now, Let's break that down a little bit, Z and uh, Greg and, and Wendy. Let's talk about what are the key elements a business leader should be considering as uh, in terms of getting sustainable improvement, being able to sustainably improve performance in their business. And, and I mean, that's a critical part of any business. So what are the key elements that somebody should be thinking about as they want to improve their performance in, in their business. Z, give us some, start us off here and give us some insights in, in terms of what people should be thinking about. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Um, so how we look at it is, uh, I, I'm going to use a business value model that we use, mm-hmm. uh, trademarked by Innovate IQ, um, of which I'm a partner of. Mm-hmm. So we say, um, okay, if organizations can look at, at holistically, so here's the helicopter view that we have. There's business benefits that the organization would like to realize. Mm-hmm. And um, they need to be realized through a customer, a, a delighted customer, mm-hmm. right? To which um, people within the organization are servicing or, or rendering a product to. Mm-hmm. Led by a very effective and, and, and transformative leadership team that uses organizational capacity, which is the process, the procedure, and everything we use to do our jobs, but anchored on the strategy of the business. So these things can't be looked at um, in isolation. Mm. In order for us to deliver to the customer and be in touch with what the customer needs, because it shifts every time, mm. we need to look at all these bubbles okay. almost simultaneously. 
Okay. Focusing mostly on on the people because they are the ones delivering for the customer, mm. and, and so that link is critical. Mm. Yeah. So interestingly, would it also not tie up with what your objective is? In order to bring all of these elements to a head, you need to kind of know what your intention is from the beginning. So what is the objective Absolutely. to align these? Yeah. Absolutely, which is what the strategy would do. So so strategy, leadership uh, and culture, organizational capacity, people, customer is delighted, what are our numbers showing us? Mm. Or you can even work it backwards, but you must look at them, I think, holistically. You can't mm. just go pick on people without realizing what exactly you're trying to address. Now, in the earlier segment, Wendy, you spoke about the importance of values and value alignment um, in the mm. innovation space. And I, what I'm hearing from Z is also an element of almost linking the, the value values and purpose that people act on as, as leaders and how that then connects with what the organization is capable of Executing on and 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 doing, mm. Wendy. What are what are your experiences in that in that space around, um, you know, let's call it that values, innovation, um, and outcomes through the people. Uh, what's your experience there? What what do you think is critical? Sure, that is an absolutely massive topic, and um, <laughs> one we, we, that we've is... <laughs> we've only got half an hour, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super passionate about. It's actually my master's research okay. um, because of how um, how vital the link is to innovation, and because how topical it is right now with the millennials. And never mind the millennials. You know your uh, your generation um, that is now you know entering the um, the school force. They are again they're very purpose driven. They very they go into the working world, and you know it's not just good enough that you pay me a salary. What's my higher purpose? What's my meaning for being here? And this is stumping a lot of people in the workforce because of the fact that we are all our systems are based on a process era. We are now in a knowledge era. It's a completely mm-hmm. different space. So we're now requiring a different type of leader, and the majority of leaders right now, um, given for a variety of reasons, you know, the, um, the generation they're in, you know, not obviously fully understanding the space um, that we're currently playing in, but, it's, you know, it's the exponential age, which means that now leadership needs to uh, needs to call to those those values um, that are that that's a vision or mission for the actual company itself and uh, and drive the the business around those values and there's a fantastic article that Elon Musk recently wrote I actually adore Elon Musk and um, he was explaining um, in from a scientific perspective, you know, because values seem so soft in business, you know. Um, and I mean, I've sat around boardroom tables, so I understand it doesn't, people don't actually understand the significance. So he speaks about it scientifically and he explains that every individual, human individual in a company is energy. So now, if that energy is fully harnessed towards a common value or goal, then you then have full energy driving towards that value. If you have, say, half of those individuals that are moving away from that that value or moving in different directions, you're not fully harnessing the energy and therefore you're not fully capitalizing on innovations. You're actually harming the bottom line of the the entity. You're not actually able to get a harnessed um, innovation. Mm. So, Z, I mean, talk to us here. I mean, it sounds like what Wendy's suggesting is that, you know, let's call it uncontained uh, engagement. That's that's almost almost stepping outside of the the rule. Let's call it the frameworks of of, of the value set can become quite let's call it self destructive within within the business context. Mm-hmm. But 
Earlier, I read that statement that you made. Uh, you made where you say, you know, this thing of think outside the box. There, there is no box. I mean, surely there is always a box. Maybe, maybe I think of the box differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always create my, the box. Um, in my world, I always say is the values that that guide who I am as an individual. So I, I frame my box based on. You know, these are my my value statements, and I'm not prepared to exceed the box, so, so to speak, on, on those. So, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that when it comes to the values box, you play inside the box because if you don't, well, then what are you? <laughs> you know, if you haven't defined yourself as uh, from a values perspective. Um, but I think often the world thinks of the box as the, the rules, so to speak, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you're driving at is, you know, the ability to think outside of, of the traditional rule set. I mean, when you make the statement, there is no box, what, what, what is the, the context of that, of that reference? So I think um, from an organizational perspective, you're right. Um, the values of the organization would drive how that organization um, says it does what it does or how it behaves to achieve what it wants to achieve. However, I find that both from my experience and those of the people that I coach and I interact with as a business consultant that sometimes when we box people into you can only do A to B, you mm. can go C, D, E, we stifle innovation. Mm. So um, I agree with, with the other speaker that said, you know what, the, the manner in which we lead now has completely shifted. Mm. And therefore for me, then that means there's no box. Let's explore, let's explore it openly and see mm. what would work within the framework of the values of the business mm. and my personal values and my mental model. Mm. So currently we're looking for leadership in organizations that has clarity on who they are, mm. how they feel about people and why. And, um, Aware of the external environment within which they exist, but mm. also very sensitive to the internal environment within which they operate, right? Mm. So th- you can box that because, mm. to her point, multi-generational teams are here now. Mm. So there's baby boomers in the system, there's X, Y, and there's Z that just entered the, the labor market. Mm. So you can then box how you lead. Even leadership styles have shifted now. Mm. I, I must just tell you this. I'm very interested. I want to know. This is just totally off the wall here. Mm. What's happening after Z? <laughs> We've got Generation X, Generation Y, and Generation Z. Okay. <laughs> then what, people? Um, yeah. Yeah, but besides that. But I, I, I so, and, and I also want to now just quickly ask you, so you, you made the comment about the box, and then you, you also talk about people getting unstuck. And I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of, perhaps if I've interpreted your unstuck elements, mm-hmm. perhaps, mm-hmm. Um, you know, unstuck from the traditionalist type of approach, um, where, you know, it's the rule-based almost system and the, and the production orientated way work is ruled, uh, you know, and we, you know, with, I, I guess you, you always have this risk, um, in the workplace of saying, well, you know, you, you, you know, adjust your mental model. And I always, I always used to think to myself, be careful how much adjustment happens here because, you know, you've still, you know, and we have an our ethics show where we talk about, you know, how people have almost lost those natural boundaries of, of, of where things are at. And I mean, we just have to look at the paper or the news 24 every other day and, you know, our, our friends at the, with the Gupta leaks, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. It's a season of giving. I mean, it, it just amaze, amazes me how those boundaries that should be in place have, have shifted away 
Um, and yeah, in that case, I'd say that some stuff has come unstuck, but not in a, in a good way, so to speak. Um, how do you make sure that, you know, you, you're getting the, the right stuff to happen as opposed to the wrong stuff to happen? I mean, there's, there's the contrast. Yeah. So I think, um, my view is that, or rather our approach is to use the inside out, outside in approach. Mm-hmm. So if a human being, this is my view, has their own personal values mm-hmm. and they've determined that their own personal values actually do align with the organizational personal values, even mm-hmm. if not hundred mm-hmm. percent, but there's a, there's a foundation from which they stand and there's a leader who's cognizant of who they are and how they want to lead and what they don't like about other people. Then that allows for an environment that is open to being differed with. Mm. So, for example, practically, I meet leaders that are saying, I don't like the word no. I don't like people saying no to me. Mm. However, they want to be innovative. If you want to disrupt and be innovative, understand that others are going to say no to you. <laughs> so, therefore, as a leader, you've got to be comfortable to work on yourself and understand what is making me not like mm. the word no. And that mm. has to do with you and less about the people around you. Mm. And so, you would process that so mm. you can be an effective leader. So, Greg, you've got international experience here. Do they say no in Silicon Valley? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, CEOs spend about 50% of their time trying to raise money or, uh, or, or communicating or working with their investors and trying mm-hmm. to convince them that they deserve the next round of funding. And they mm-hmm. get a lot of no's. A lot In of fact, no. I think they get a lot of you know, 50 no's before they get a yes. Okay. But we're, yeah. but we're used to it as Americans. We, 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 we enjoy, we relish failure and, and rejection mm. and it gives us kind of energy just to keep going. Well, I mean, on your earlier stat of, you know, 13% is the success rate. I mean, you know, translated that, and I, and I, it's interesting that it's a, a little bit of a social element that that I observe, yeah. is that when we get into the South African context, I mean, if I was to say to you that we have a thirteen percent pass rate on innovative entrepreneurs, okay, I mean, you, you, you'd look at me and go like, that's just not acceptable, you know, so it's in a the disaster, uh, yes. yeah, in the in the world of let me call it the South African achievement orientation, you know, we like. We only like rugby teams that win. We only like cricket teams that win. We only like, you know, we only want, you know, we're not interested. We want to host, you know, the next World Cup. We're not interested in it going somewhere else. You know, we like to win. South Africans like to win. A 13% success rate for me, uh, if I was looking at that as a South African, my instant reaction is, why is it so low? (laughs) <laughs> How are we going to get it up? <laughs> Make it happen. Get it sorted. So I think we, we as a as a nation, we have this achievement orientation to want to make things better and make it work. Um, so yeah, I think that's a real Z's point of you know almost a cultural space of people not being able to accept a no, and 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 kind of figure out what to do next. I mean, it's like almost like a little bit of a fear of rejection kind of thing. So that's a skill set that we have to learn in this country that, you know, when somebody says no with good reason, it's then a case of go back, rethink what you're doing and what you're asking for and kind of innovate, innovate a better solution because the no came from, let's call it try one or try two or try three. You may have to innovate this thing 30 or 40 times before you get the yes. And that also comes back to… No, go for it, Wendy. There's a saying that if you're not studying, failing, and you're not innovating. So that comes back to one of the things that I've had the privilege of seeing working with small business is the guys that are very clear, Z, to your point as well and to to your no point, Greg, is um, the moment the leadership is very clear about purpose, the moment they're very clear about their identity and the moment they live that purpose throughout the, the, the organization and the company um, driven by values, 
um, the result is resilience, and that enables them to handle the nose a hell of a lot better, and that generates that energy mm. of we're going to keep pushing, we're going to make it happen. Mm. And I've seen that in an entrepreneur, in particular a few of them. One in particular, a woman that has, uh, she's very, very clear about what her company is about. It's not a unique idea. It's not disruptive. But the way that she does business, because of her ver- purpose and her values, um, enables them to achieve a hell of a lot more. And everybody that works with her, so you guys also mentioned the fact, you know, partnering with the right people. Um, everybody's very clear on what this company is about, its purpose and its values. And by virtue of that, people want to align and see success and, and the tensions of the nose is better handled. Mm-hmm. It just, it's like, mm-hmm. it's this combustion that happens and propels this thing forward. It's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. she's very passionate about it. So Z, you coach people in, in the business space a lot. It sounds to me like people have to be quite robust if they, you know, so if we say let's innovate, let's change, let's, let's do this, you know, you can't kind of put it out there as the leader and then kind of go, but mm-hmm. these are the ground rules that you're going <laughs> to engage with me on. And this is how I want it to happen. And it must all be in my safe space and comfort zone. But by, by the way, when, when did this safe space thing ever arise? Somebody the other day said to me, Oh, we've got to have, uh, ah, you're telling me it's in the box. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep it in the box. I'm like, since when did a safe space exist? It's never been a safe space. So yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of almost, um, you know, almost expectations created of, Oh, well, you know, if I'm a leader, my space is mine and it is my space. And if you want to come in and when it comes to an innovative environment and an innovative culture and a value set, um, yeah, there's no respect for that little box of your space because by very nature, the disruptive thinking of an innovation person and an innovative culture is one of you question any and everything Mm -hmm. trying to look for an opportunity. And it's not, I often say to people, when innovation happens, don't take it personally because somebody else thought of something better than you've got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love the story of 3M and the post-it note. You know, mm-hmm. this, The glue on the back of the post-it note came from somebody who developed some glue that just wouldn't stick. You know, That guy must have felt like a real unhappy person until somebody else came along and said, well, I found a use for the glue that doesn't stick. Okay, mm-hmm. the most marketed product in the world now. I mean, mm. who can survive without a stick-up note? I mean, you know, so, yeah, you know, I think you often, you know, you've got to be able to let those little boundaries on leadership kind of move. But is that easy for people to do, see? They find it very difficult, uh, especially in the South African market, because also culturally, ah. uh, we're not so used to doing certain things. So I also deal with... Um, specifically black women in leadership roles mm-hmm. that are saying it's not allowed for me to look any person of authority in the eye. Um, and of course, in the boardroom, us debating stuff and you looking sideways, we're thinking, what's happening with you? Are you not confident about what you're talking about? <laughs> so they also yeah. bring in the traditional aspect to the boardroom, which doesn't work always. Also, there's a sense, also when I say unstuck, there's a lot of people, or rather, organizations are saying, uh, just bring your head and your hands into the organization. But then their heart is in the body. So the head, the hands, and the heart are with you in the organization. So therefore, we have to pay attention to the heart. Because until the heart aligns with the hands and the head, something just falls apart. Yeah. Mm. So, so all of these things are equally important. And I, and I, and Greg, Wendy, help me on this one. But I, I'd hazard a guess that if you're trying to run an innovative space, but your heart, head, and body aren't aligned, 
this is going to be the recipe for your 87 percenters because they're, they're, they're trying to do stuff, but they don't have the, let me call it the core resourcing to get it right. Right. And, and the, the psychology behind uh, passion is that uh, passion enables you to endure more pain than the people you're competing against, even if it's yourself. So you can do the long hours and you can get up the next next morning after four hours sleep and you can just carry on um, uh, working at it. And it, it really takes that it really takes that effort. Yeah, and that perseverance to win. Yeah, so yeah, I, I was going to say there's that old saying that said winning isn't easy, but who said it would be? Right. Um, and and I think we often we allow ourselves to get into the space of, oh well, I've got this waxed. Uh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, the, the easy aspect. Um, sorry, Richard. I, 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 you you mentioned earlier that you know exactly what your values are. You know what your your box is. Which is, which is key. It's, it's that the, the first point of thinking outside the box is to know what the limitations of the box are. And, you know, it goes on to, you know, the current workforce as far as, you know, collaborative space and being inclusive. Because once you're aware that there's no such thing as reality, because reality is all our perception, you know, they say that there's 11 million bits of information at any point in time. We can only actually absorb 126. And all of us are different. We all have different meta programs and values and everything, which means that together we are actually better um, and we can actually get more value together. That's how that synergy in a business space, whether you are working with internal staff or whether you're working with your team or collaborating or, um, you know, outsourcing, et cetera, um, it's very important to understand how you see the world and understand that is not the only way to see the world and understand somebody else's world differently. And there's value, obviously, in that because innovation is ideas. And the richer the ideas depends on how diverse, um, you know, the workforce is, which mm-hmm. is why truly innovative companies are very open source, um, mm-hmm. open, you know, open code. Um, they into, you know, collaborative business models because they see value. And I mean, I speak a lot on, um, the lady mentioned gender. I speak a lot on gender diversity. Um, and we say I represent the 30% club, which is a global gender mainstream organization. And we focus on the aspect of have, you know, diversity, especially at board level, not because, um, you know, there's only three to five percent of women at board level, but because it's good for business. Mm-hmm. Because men have certain skills because they mm-hmm. see the world a certain way. They're good at you know, your operations, your strategy. Women have certain skills. Uh, we're really good at collaboration, at leadership, and therefore the value of both together you get um, you get obviously a lot more return and it proves that you get more more profit. And it starts with now is developing those skills within the um, within children who are entering well children or young adults I'd rather say, young adults who are entering the workforce. They need those skills because we don't know the world they're going to be operating in. You know, seventy, eighty percent of the jobs um, that are currently in existence, but not going to exist in a couple of years' time. You know, lawyers are already battling to get jobs in the U.S. Um, because of IBM Watson. Doctors are battling to get jobs. So the best skill we can give our children now is see the world differently and embrace failure. Failure is fantastic. It's a great thing. It means you're innovating. You can mm-hmm. mitigate it. You can reduce it down, um, you know, because they need to have entrepreneurial skills because we don't, we don't know what jobs they're going to have, you know, in the future. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I I always think of of that statement in terms of you know let's call it the, the the workplace that we're educating or trying to educate children for jobs that don't even exist yet. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and and then I'm also reminded, I mean, Wendy, to your point about the gender elements and bias. Um, you know, I was I was 
and I can't remember the exact stat, and I'm looking at one of my co-hosts if she can remember the stat of the buying decisions made by women versus men. Sorry? 64% of buying decisions are made by women. Okay? Yet if you look at women in the workplace in terms of representation and leadership, etc., the percentage is significantly lower than that. Mm-hmm. So why is it that all the leadership is made by people who are non-decision makers uh, or non, non-customers, non-buyers? So, oh. you know, all the men out there, sorry to say it, but you're not the target audience. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's the women who are buying the majority of the products that our organizations produce. So when you're thinking and engaging and saying, I want to have the perspective of my customer base, I want to think about how my customer or look at my customer base from an innovative perspective, sorry to say it, gents, but you should be asking the ladies in the room. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any ladies in the room, well, then you've got a problem. Yeah. Okay. And if you've only got a few ladies in the room, you need to get some more ladies in yeah. the room because the reality is they are probably going to be closer to your target market and understand your target market better than you would. Um, so, yeah, it's something that's always been a little bit of a bone of contention with me is how we, we, we have the very traditionalist approaches. And, and, and the entrepreneurs out there that are successful will know and understand how diversity, not only you know, male, female, but across the racial lines, et cetera, really helps you engage and understand your, uh, understand your customer base, mm-hmm. cultural issues, et cetera. And in, in a land as diverse as South Africa, you cannot sit at that bo- uh, boardroom table or innovating in a garage and think you understand the customer base if you just don't interact with these people. I mean, it's a huge, huge challenge that every business faces. As we close out, Z, I mean, you've, you've been very clear here as to how people need to unstick themselves or become unstuck and just challenge those traditional, let's call them the boxes that, that we have. How do you make sure that you're always remaining competitive and at the edge in terms of things like innovation um, and, and, and leadership within a business? What are your thoughts? So um, I'd go back to the approach that we use. Remember I said the outside-in, inside-out mm-hmm. approach? Mm-hmm. The outside-in means you must have an understanding of the environment external of the organization, politically, economically, socially, culturally, all those things, and your competitive landscape. What is it showing you? Over and above that, from a customer delight perspective, you gotta understand whether or not the customer requirements are shifting and to which direction they are. So that you can deliver exactly what the customer needs. So I always say to people, in the, I don't know, embedded in a complaint is an opportunity to innovate. So mm. there's a solution in a complaint. Yeah. But we are so uncomfortable with complaints that we don't see the solution that the customer is giving us for free in its complaint. Yeah. So there's also an, another way to innovate. But, it depends on how we look at the world. So yeah. if we're boxed thinking, then you're not going to look at it that way. You've got to see a complaint as a gift. And I, <laughs> I tell you, I know a number of CEOs and, and business leaders who run, uh, run for cover. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, in closing, I'll just share this. I remember uh, Robert Townsend, one of the ex-CEOs of Avis, made it a rule that every single leader in the business from board level down had to spend one day in the year serving customers. Yeah. He said it was amazing to watch senior executives bolt from the customer front end at JFK when things got a little bit hairy with customers. <laughs> so from a complaint perspective. So yeah, an interesting perspective like that. 
Okay, great. Z, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate your insights. Thank you for having me. Greg and Wendy, thank you for staying on with us. It's really been insightful. And uh, to my co-hosts, thanks for your time. Next up, the Youth Leadership Platform. Stay with us. This is cliffcentral.com.